You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a, a message from a good friend of mine that I, he's been in my life since I was a child, and he, and he sent, me a, sent me a message on Facebook, and he said this. He said, I know we disagree on almost 100% of things in life, but I do care about you and your family. I hope all is well. And um, that meant a lot to me from this friend. This is a guy that was in my life a long time, and since I was young, he was in my life. And, and amazingly, when he was younger, he was um, a leader in his youth group. He went to False Creek. He, um, he went to college and was a leader at his Baptist Student Union. He, uh, at one point in his life, considered serving in the church. And today, he is uh, a self-proclaimed atheist. In fact, he's evangelistic about his atheism and is uh, working hard to um, come against Christian thought and Christian belief and at times even uh, me. But yet he took the time to, to send me that message on Facebook. And, and, and you know, uh, chances are all of us know somebody in our lives or somebody that we're close to or somebody in our church that, that has just walked away from the Lord. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting as I think back on my ministry, I, I've spent, uh, prior to coming here as a senior pastor, I, I spent 20, almost 20 plus years serving in youth ministry and, and reaching out to this group of people that we call the millennials. And in the millennials, uh, I felt like in many ways, I raised up a bunch of them. And you know, when you look at statistics with millennials, uh, a lot of them are prodigals. They're, they're walking away from the church. You see, uh, there, there's a statistic recently, I'm working through a book right now that in preparing for our November series on evangelism and reaching out to people. And, and um and, and you've heard that term, and you hear it a lot right now in our election cycle, the term evangelicals. Well, evangelicals represent a group of people that are, are those that would say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that, that the Bible is the authoritative word of God, that, that, that there's not multiple ways to heaven. It's only through, through faith in Christ alone. Those would be evangelicals. And that represents a lot of different people, some several different churches. It would, it would include Baptists, Pentecostals, some fundamentalists, and Bible churches. There, there's all kinds of groups. Some that would be considered Calvinistic, if you know that term. Some that would be considered non-Calvinistic. Those all represent this group of people called evangelicals. And I read a statistic this week that, that said that roughly 260,000 millennial evangelicals are walking away from the church every year. And it's startling. It's, 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 um, it's, it's incredible. And um, we've got to do something about that. We've got to do something about our own heart when we're tempted to walk away. Because the truth is, life is difficult. Life throws us some curveballs at times. And there are many times, if we're honest, that we would wonder, should we walk away from this? Should we walk away from our faith? 
And, and this morning, we're going to turn our attention to 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at the life of Saul. And it's in 1 Samuel 16 is this transition period between Saul and, and David. And it's an interesting passage. And it, it's, it's, in this passage, we're going to come across one of the, the, the most tragic verses in all the Old Testament. And, and you know... I found myself this week thinking so much about Saul, and I just couldn't decide whether Saul is in heaven or not. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I mean, is Saul in heaven? Is King Saul in heaven? And, and, and I, I could make an argument that Saul is not in heaven, but you know what? I, I kind of think he is. I think Saul is in heaven. I think he represents this incredible picture of a believer that walks away from the Lord. And um, it's interesting when you think about Saul, he was, uh, he was the people's choice. He was uh, the first king. The nation gathered around Saul. And, and, and it's interesting, he prophesied. God's spirit came upon him, empowered him. And he, he was, some people said, is Saul one of the prophets? Because he would prophesy about the Lord. And, and, um, and he was this incredible leader. He was very gifted, but yet he had a disobedient heart. He was disobedient. And he, and he was, he, he just couldn't get away from rebelling against the Lord. And, and, and you know, early in his life, there was this spiritual fruit, but rebellion wrecked his life and wrecked his entire family. And I want you to know something. That's what rebellion does. Rebellion against the voice of the Lord wrecks you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, incredible verse, he said, the thief comes but to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And, and when you follow, when you step outside of God's plan for your life, that's the result. Satan steals your joy. He steals from you. He kills you. He destroys you. It's, it's devastating. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And then the reality is following Christ is the best thing we can do. And Saul is this incredible picture of this man that knew the voice of God. He knew the blessing of God, but yet he, he kept rebelling against the Lord. And this morning, I pray that as we confront this, we can just get in the middle of, of this story and learn what it looks like to go from rebellion to obedience. Because I thought to myself, what would I have said to Saul? Stand with me and let's look at 1 Samuel 16. We're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to unpack this today quickly. But verse 14 says this, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit of God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the, heart, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. 
Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed, was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now look at verse 14. Let's look at this. It says, now the, the, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. What a tragic verse. What a tragic moment. I mean, I've thought to myself, oh, Lord, I pray that your spirit never departs from our church. I, I do think there are churches that the spirit of God has departed. And may, that, may, may we always be hungry to please the Lord. And may we always be a church that longs for the spirit of God to move us and to lead us. Um, it's interesting because you've got to understand this because the way God relates to an Old Testament person is different than the way he relates to a New Testament believer. Now, um, for example, when we come to know Christ, when we were saved, the, the, the Spirit of God indwelled us as a believer. As a, I mean, the, the, uh, it all changed when Jesus rose from the dead and gave us his Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament and the Old Testament, you see the Spirit of God relating differently to us. Now for us, the Spirit of God comes into our heart and, and dwells with us forever. He never leaves us. And we know this because Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, we studied this, but, but it says, you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Now, the truth is, when, when the Spirit of God indwells you, He never leaves you. But at the same time, we can quench the Spirit. We can rebel against Him. We can, um, we can push Him away. And we can. And we shouldn't. And this is why we're learning the value in this series of, of, of surrendering. We just sang that song, Lord, I Surrender. We sang that, that kind of harsh song today about the prodigal about come back. And, and, and we, we are moved to, to think about these things and come back and, and to surrender to the voice of the Lord and say, Lord, you are on the throne. You are God of our lives. You're Lord of our lives. That's who we are. And, and you see Saul struggling with this. You see in chapters 10 and 11 that the Spirit of God came upon him, moved mightily in him and through him. He, he accomplished great things. He prophesied. You, you, see, you see all these things going on. But in this story, and I want you to hear this, you see a fundamental truth that God will not empower a rebellious heart. I want you to know that. That if you are spent, if you are bent on rebelling against the Lord, um, he won't empower you. God doesn't do that. And part of, the, part of disobedience, we, ex, we experience the discipline of God. 
And it's important for us to, to consider and, 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 and be quick to come back to the Lord, to be quick to obey his voice, to be quick when the Lord speaks that we listen to him. And we say it like this here, that when, when God moves us, we're quick to move. This is why I like standing in worship. This is why I don't like just sitting and spectating. No, we're standing, participating. This is why we give invitations at our church, because, because when, we, when the Word of God is preached and God's Spirit moves, we, we're quick to respond to, those, to His voice. And, and it reminds me, this whole story reminds me of that incredible challenge in Hebrews. Hebrews 4, verse 7, where he says, look, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Saul is this incredible example of a hard heart. Well, the first thing about Saul, if you have your notes, follow along, because I want us to catch these today. Number one about Saul, Saul refused to change. Saul heard God's voice. He, he heard him. He, he, God was moving. God was speaking to him. You see it in this story that, that the Spirit of God departed from him. But you also see a God that continues to pursue Saul. Because what happens here? The, the Spirit of God departed from him, and a Spirit of the Lord came to torment him. You know, there's a lot of debate on, is this a demon? Is this Satan? It's a Spirit from the Lord. You know, and, and I think that like, I have a buddy that I met, uh, that's a pastor in Stillwater. And when I first met him, he was away from the Lord. And, and he, he describes as he was at OSU and, and living this life that he shouldn't have lived, as he laid down at night and he looked up at his ceiling, he was like, man, something was not right. He was compelled to go back. He was miserable. You know, that's where Saul is. He's miserable. And, and these men around him are going, hey, look, we need to get some, you some help. And they, um, but Saul was, had this idea that he refused to change. He, and he, he, he chose to believe that God's plan wasn't the best plan. He got sucked in to temptation. We looked at this in James 1.14 when we studied the book of James. It says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. And I, I want you to understand something. If you find yourself in this moment of rebellion, in this moment where you're like, I think I'm going to bail on my faith. I think I'm going to walk away from the Lord. There's something you can do, and, and I want you to write this down right under this point. If, if you're there, like Saul refused to change, we've got to decide it's time to change. And this is something I pray you do. If, if, if you're at a point where, where you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away, I, I pray that you make the decision, wait, I've got to make some changes. It's time to change. You know, I can't do what I really don't want to do, right? I mean, I mean, I didn't really want to run this morning when my alarm went off at 5. I was like, oh, it's cold. It's 51 degrees. I don't really want to. You know, there, there are times that we've got to make decisions to change. And, and this is what Saul should have done. And, and you, you can play games with change, but change will never happen until you decide to do it. Are you willing to pay the price for it? Change begins with a willingness to change. And if you're at a point where you're saying, God, I don't think I'm going to believe you. I think I'm going to go my own way. You've got to decide to change. It's like in this famous verse in Joshua 24. 
Joshua is such a cool character in Scripture. You ought to study about Joshua. And, but he writes this, and, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. And then he goes on at the end of that verse, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then this is Joshua giving this incredible speech. He's like, choose. Who are you going to serve? And that's a great question for us to ask. Who are we going to serve? And I pray that we come to this realization that we've got to serve the Lord. And that's where Saul was. Saul needed to come to this moment, and, and Samuel said, said this to him. God brought David into his life, and, and David was this incredible example. And we're going to track this over the next couple of weeks of David and Saul's relationship that was incredible. It's incre- there are incredible lessons to learn here. But bottom line is, Saul, um, he refused to change. And if we shouldn't do that. Let's decide to be people that say, God, we will change when we need to change. We will allow your spirit to lead us. Now look at verse 15. Saul said, Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. This is interesting. This is a spirit from the Lord. This is that emptiness when we're rebelling, and and it's interesting. Then he says, let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful at playing the lyre. That's a little ukulele-type instrument. And um, he said, and when a harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said, okay, that's a good idea. Look at what he says. It's interesting to me. Verse 18, one of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. I mean, what's David? David had just been anointed by Samuel, and now he's back watching sheep. But, but this is how God keeps his word. God is faithful to do what he says in the life of David and in the life of his people. And, and, and God brings David to the forefront, and they said, Wait, there's this guy that's watching sheep. How we knew him, we didn't know, we don't know. But this is what he says about him. He is skillful in playing. I mean, David was always carrying that around, probably um, one of those guys that's playing guitar all the time. I have a son like that. He says he's a man of valor. There's something solid in this kid. I don't know how he knew this. He was a man of war. Somehow they knew David was a kid. He's probably a teenager, but they thought, man, he can fight. He's a man of war. He's prudent in speech, a man of good presence. He looks good. But look at what he says, and the Lord is with him. Isn't that interesting? These men are around Saul, and and they go, you need somebody that the Lord is with them. That's what you need. And that's what we are. I want you to know the lost world looks at Christians that really walk with Jesus and go, man, we need that. We need the power of God. You know, it's probably why, I'm not going to go into political things. That's too crazy right now. But, um, but point number two, I want you to see what Saul did. Saul ignored God's glaring presence. Here's Saul, and he's got a kid around him that is put right in his lap, that the Lord is with him, but, God, but Saul ignored God's presence. God's glaring presence, and I love it how in the midst of Saul's rebellion, God continues to seek him, continues to put people around him to point him to what's right. 
he puts a worship leader right next to him. A kid that was gifted at worshiping the Lord. And you know what? There's an application here I want us to catch real quick. We need to allow worship to change us. Will you allow worship to change you in your life? See, Saul refused to allow worship to change him. And it's like Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And see, when we come together to worship and we gather around the word of God, God changes us. And what we have to be is people that worship the Lord and allow him to change us. But so often when we come to worship, not just in this room, but even personal worship, we come and say, Lord, I'm going to do what I want to do. But like we just sang, I surrender. Now, now that's worship. When we come and say, Lord, we come and surrender to you. And Saul refused to do this. And, and, I, I, and I want you to see that when we, when we study the word of God and, and, and when you come into this room and God speaks to you, there's a reason. God wants to change you. Me too. I'm not, I'm not, when I preach here, I'm not preaching at you. I'm sitting with you. We're sitting together around the word of God going, man, we, gotta follow, we need to follow this. This is a great plan. Let's follow him. And, and it's interesting how this unfolds. Verse 19, look back at verse 19. It says, therefore Saul sent messengers. And, Je- and Jesse sends David, verse 20. And in and, and verse 23, look how this unfolds. Whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed him. And so what's happening is, as Saul is, is, is in his state of rebellion, he's determined to not follow the Lord, and the Spirit of God said, okay, if you, I'm done with you. And I want you to know all of us can go too far. All of us can put our hand in the face of God and say, God, I'm not going to follow you, I'm not going to follow you, I'm not going to follow you. And God will get to the point and say, all right, you can have it. You can go your own way. And, and see what we've got to understand. We've got to turn around before then. And so point number three, you see a lesson from Saul here. Saul's worship was inconsistent because when he would come into the presence of God with David and he would play, he would be refreshed. And the Bible says he was well. But then he would go back to his rebellious heart. I'd uh, go back to doing his own thing. And see, this is the lesson that I pray we catch here, that we're called to connect with Christ every day. And this is why I don't want you to, this should not be the only time you open the word. Absolutely, as your pastor, I've got to make sure that we know the word of God and that I preach the word of God. And, and we're going to do that. I believe that. But we've got to study and connect with the Lord every day. 
It's like, that's what David did. That was his example. Like Psalm 145, 1 through 3, David writes, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. And I don't want you to miss this calling that you and I have to come to the Lord every day. Learn to walk with the Lord. Learn to have a quiet time. Learn to spend time with the Lord. Learn to worship every day. This is important. Another thing about Saul. Point number four here is Saul was, you see this all through his life, Saul was ruled by his feelings. Saul, Saul came to worship and it was all about how he felt. And we've got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful that, oh, we're going to choose a church by, based on, oh, well, that that's, makes me feel good. Can I be honest with you? If, you're, if every time you study the word, you feel good, you're probably not studying the word correctly. No, you're not. I'll just say it, you're not. Because there are many times I come to the word and I go, man, I got some work to do. That's called sanctification. That's called God growing you into his image. And he's molding you and he's shaping you. He's molding me, he's shaping me, and I'm not finished yet and neither are you. And so it's important that we understand that, that we shouldn't come to the Lord, come to worship, and focus on our feelings. When you're following the Lord, you shouldn't base your walk with the Lord on your feelings. And, and here's a point here. We need to focus on doing right over feeling good. And this is Saul's problem. He was focusing on, on how he felt rather than what he was doing. And we are so um, wishy-washy with our feelings. You cannot trust your feelings. And, and, it's, and, and you don't, um, you, you do your way into a feeling. You don't feel your way into a doing. It's like what our Celebrate Recovery people is that you fake it till you make it. And that's not bad. That's good. That's being honest. It's like... Um, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The writer, Paul writes to the Galatian church, look, there are times that we're not going to feel good, but don't grow weary in doing good. He didn't say feeling good. This verse doesn't say anything about feeling. It zeroes in on doing. Don't stop doing the right thing. At the proper time, you will reap the benefits if you don't give up. Plus, if you do the right things, your, your feelings will eventually catch up with you. And, and the truth is, we all know this, if, if you wait until you feel like changing, you'll never change. And trust me, Satan is so smart, he will, he will make you think, hey, you don't feel like it, so it's okay. Um, we should do good. Focus on doing, not feeling. And you may think, well, well, Chris, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to do something I don't feel like doing. That's what hypocrites do. But that's not the case at all. When you, when you make a decision, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, even though I don't see you right now. I'm going to trust you, even though I'm going to trust what your word says, even though it doesn't feel like I should. Um, that, that's, that's acting with your head versus just your feelings. That's smart. 
That's wise. And, and I pray that we, um, you understand that when you, if you've ever learned a sport, I mean, I've taught people tennis for a long time. Um, I used to teach tennis, and, and I would teach people how to serve, and most people would grip the racket wrong. And when, they would, when I would say, no, you grip it like this, they'd go, that feels weird. And I would say, I don't care. It's right. It doesn't matter how it feels. Well, it doesn't feel right, but it is. What you're doing is not right. This is right. If you've ever swung a golf club, I'm sure you've gone to a golf lesson and said, yeah, that's not right. See, we should focus on, our, on doing right over feeling good. Last thing you see in Saul's life, he, Saul ignored God-focused people. And then right here, he, he, these men say, Saul, you need, you need someone that the Lord is with him. And then David is around him, and the Lord was with him. And Saul made this mistake that, that he ignored the God-focused people in his life. See, my friend who continually reaches out to me, who, even though he's an evangelistic atheist, when his mother died, he called me to preach the funeral. That's interesting. You know, what's, what's interesting is we, this is what God does. When we're in this state of rebellion, he will be faithful to put God-focused people around us. So here's the point for us. Here's an application. We need to pay attention to Christ-focused friends. And this is something I pray is a habit of ours that we look at those friends that are pushing us towards Jesus, towards the Lord. And I love what Proverbs 27 is a great, I mean, all of Proverbs is really great. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. If you've got a friend that's willing to wound you, to push you in the right way, my advice to you is that you keep that friend. That's a good friend. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. You see, the right kind of people will help you. And, and, and this is who we've got to be. You know, what, what this part of 1 Samuel, God is making this very important point that he looks at the heart. And you see this incredible difference between the heart of David and the heart of Saul. We're going to transition to David next week, which is a lot more positive. But I'll tell you, we've got to hear this today. Too many of our kids, our, our grandkids, our friends are walking away from the Lord. And so one of the things that I pray is that we are some of those God-focused people that can love the world. You see, our purpose statement of our church says this, we are to love all people to Christ, equipping them on their journey with God and one another. It's not our goal to argue somebody into the kingdom. Like my friend, I am not gonna be able to argue him to believing in Jesus. But I can love him. And I am grateful that I did get a message that said, 
though we disagree on just about 100% of things in life. I love you and I care about you. Let's, if you're here today and you're like, man, I think I'm done with my faith. It is not an accident that you are here. Maybe you're here today because and you have someone you love deeply who is done with their faith. Well, that's why we pray. And I challenge you, encourage you, come get on your knees and pray for them today. But let's, that song we sang, that Joe sang, I pray that you don't miss the incredible power and the incredible joy and the incredible life that is available to the person that says, I surrender Jesus. And surrender to Jesus today. That begins with you coming and beginning a relationship with him. And is the Holy Spirit in in your life? Come to him today. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And as, as I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I, I, our invitation is going to begin. Joe's going to play, and we're not going to be long. But maybe you need to come and pray for somebody. Maybe you need to come to Christ for the first time. I, I pray that we're quick to obey his voice. And my, my, my hope for every one of us is that we don't say, God, I resist you. Don't harden your heart to him today. Lord Jesus, right now, I thank you for your word, and it's so...